The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. The Wolfpack, this is failure to stop. This is the number one podcast for police meets society and culture. Folks, it is Thursday night. It is the best 911 show on Failure to Stop. Failure to Stop starts on Monday with exclusive content with Eric and Jay Darrell White on Uncuffed. Then Tuesday is Mystery Murder and Mayhem with Andre up late. Thursday, Eric gives you last call of the news that you need to not sound like an asshole. Thursday night, great show. Com Center with Drew Breezy. You're in the Com Center right now with Andrew Baxter. Of course, Friday nights or Friday mornings, we got our Failure to Stop regular show. Drew, how you doing? Give us the rundown of what we got going tonight. I am uh, doing so good. I, I spent a little bit of time in Vegas this week, and I thought thematically speaking, we can do a show uh, about something that occurred in Las Vegas. I happened to stumble into something while I was there, and this is a- uh, Did you cause it? What's that? Did you cause the incident? No, We're I going to break down tonight. Incident. This was uh, fortunately in 2017, uh, probably uh, one or two years after you were born. And it's uh, it's a 911 call, a very harrowing 911 call from a neighbor who witnessed a kidnapping uh, and some great investigative work led uh, cops three states away to do a traffic stop on the abductor's van. And boy, were they right? We're gonna we're gonna sing a few church hymns together. I'll guarantee, and uh, you'll see what I mean with this uh, surprise kind of uh, twisted ending. Uh, we have got so much to talk about, though. There's a lot going on. Uh, I'm excited. I do have to announce, though, that uh, this will be my final episode of Com Center before our big meetup in Clayton next week on April 12th on Wednesday. Failure Stop is going to be live and in person. You can meet me and Eric Tanzi if he survives that long. Drew probably. Andrea may show up. Josh will definitely be there. I'll be there about from five to five forty-five before I get tired and take off. Uh, Drew, I'm looking forward to meeting you in real life. We have promised the Wolfpack that we will we will fight in the streets. And I know that you're bringing weapons and I'm bringing weapons too, even though we had a no weapons uh, agreement in place. And I, I just can't wait to get it all started. I, we're going to be uh, headed out that way soon. I'm bringing a, a sword and scabbard as well. Uh, I, I will probably bring some type of dirk. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, and I will bring... Um, I don't know, some titanium knuckles. Uh, <laughs> we've moved on from brass knuckles. I think titanium is probably more apropos. Uh, and uh, we're sure to have a good time, uh, whether we're blood brothers at the end or one of us, uh, we actually fight to the death. It so. will be a savage beatdown like no other kind. Folks, if you're watching live tonight, watch us, or call us in the Cobb Center. Continue to watch us, but call us at 848-COM-911. That's 848 Calm nine one one two six six sixty nine eleven. Nice, nice. Drew, do we have um, any uh, any news to get started with? Well, I'm sure we have news. Uh, we we would have to flapjack that because oh. uh, if you'll remember, I had uh, I had a new story up, but something happened. But um, <clears throat> there's plenty of stuff to talk about. We we I, I got a very interesting DM from uh, one of our listeners, and I'm more than uh, happy to to kind of. Um, to, to meet this out for him with your expertise. 
what he essentially says is, in fact, I could probably read it verbatim if you just give me about 10 seconds. But uh, what the, um, essentially what uh, he is saying is he is, his name is Parker. I'm not going to use his last name out of respect, uh, but. Must be a pretty bad last is, name. His, uh, his, Mr. Parker, his, his name is, hey, Drew, big, big fan of the Failure to Stop podcast. I'm applying for a position with my local department to be a dispatcher slash call taker and was wondering if you had any advice or tips going through the interview process that you could discuss on the next Com Center episode. And that's what we do here, John. We not only address the current dispatchers and cops and firefighters and first responders, we certainly talk to our civilian uh, population and we talk to the people that want to be a part of the, the uh, crowd. So what, what if any, um, and, you know, other than the obvious, what if any uh, information would you lead our friend, our new friend to believe, or what, what would you think, what, what kind of advice do you think you should give him? Well, I do primarily want to you to handle this because you've hired more 911 dispatchers than I have. But I guess my one piece of advice would be something that I was well learned in that process. Do not be an absolute jackass. Uh, following my 911 interview, the final one, I, I, I'll tell you the story. If you come out to Clayton, I'll tell you the story in person. But suffice it to say, I immediately got in the, in the shower, possibly with all my clothes off, and I began crying. Because I assumed that either one, I had nailed it like no other interview before me or had blown it so bad that it just it couldn't be matched. The only real advice I would give you is just uh, if they ask you, you know, do you think you would have any problems? You know, how long do you think it would take to learn this job? Uh, don't tell them like, oh, no, this is this will be easy. I could do this in I a monkey could do this. About, about two weeks. We had an, uh, the applicant I competed against. I heard the story from my boss after I was hired, but uh, he said that she was not hireable uh, despite many other uh, great attributes because she said she suspected that she would have no difficulties becoming a 911 dispatcher. And as all 911 dispatchers tell you, every single day that we wake up and go to work, we all have difficulties being 911 <laughs> dispatchers. So uh, be humble. Tell them you don't know anything. Tell them you want to learn. If you have uh, experience from another agency and you're a lateral, I don't have experience with this, but just say like, I, if you hire me, I will delete everything I've ever known about being a 911 dispatcher so that you could program me from start. And I promise to never utter the words, well, at my agency, we did this. <laughs> Drew, you hired, you've, you've hired people. What do you think? Well, this is just general. If you're going into law enforcement or if you're going into, look, this should be for any organization whatsoever, but uh, very sp specifically, I think, into the communications environment. First of all, you have to be able to, um, in, uh, you have to figure out a way of uh, learning resiliency because you're going to be dealing with a lot of traumatic events and it, and it may not all be on you and you may not really understand the scope, which is another reason why we do the show that we do. We want to kind of expose you to what the, what the real world is like when it comes to uh, these 911 calls or um, you know, like the harrowing stuff that we hear on the radio. So uh, just be prepared to be prepared is, is the first piece of advice I can give you. Secondly, just like John said, I, I can tell you probably with uh, a high degree of certainty, they shut the door after John left and they said, man, that guy blew it. Hopefully he is in the shower with his clothes on crying himself uh, away right now. But we're low on numbers and we got to take the guy uh, and we don't like the, uh, the previous girl. So uh, he's in. And uh, so the chief of police was probably like, are you sure? And they're like, 
yeah, we're fucking, we need someone to fill in Saturday night. And they're like, okay, he's in. Um, listen, Manning is an issue. You're, you don't have anything over anybody, though. They're, they're not going to take you if you're not qualified and they don't think that you're going to make it. I would tell you that in the hiring process, it's, uh, it's grueling and sometimes takes a very long time. Uh, but pay attention to what's being asked of you and make sure that you're uh, paying attention to the detail of what's being asked of you and that you do it. Um, I would also uh, encourage you to go to that agency's website Take a look at the command staff a little bit. Take a look at the uh, take a look at the mission statement of that agency. I guarantee they have one. And if you're uh, if the opportunity presents itself in the in the um, in the interview, it might be a good idea for you to to mix that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, like a like a good episode of Star Trek. You should say the title of the episode at some point during the episode. It's the same thing, you know, like. Uh, let's suppose, you know, your their agency's uh, motto is failure is not an option. You just work that in the conversation, you know, and whatever I'm doing, you know, for me, failure is not an option. And, and then they'll and, be and, like, but, that's the motto of this agency. And right <laughs> in. And, and, and what you don't want to do is confuse the two and then work in some kind of bizarre Star Trek. Don't work episode. in Star you know Trek I mean? and then like don't work in the the motto of like wherever you work now. Like if you like are like saying like pizza pizza at some point, like it's probably not going to help you. <laughs> it may. No, we're, no one's saying definitively that it will not help you. It probably won't help you. Uh, but I, I do think that it's important. Listen, let me let me tell uh, let me share a tale of uh, of uh, of leadership of supervisory capacity. Uh, I had an entire room full of supervisors. Now, this is going to come into play later because we're going to talk about public records in a second. But I had, don't, let's not forget, I had the communication supervisors and I had the uh, record supervisors as well. And I had an entire room full of supervisors, future leaders, managers, however you want to frame them. But they were in charge of employee happiness, and they were also in charge of, uh, of making sure that the, the ship is, is floating upright. Uh, I don't even know if I'm using the right metaphors, but I, I went around the room and I asked a couple times, hey, you know, does, can anybody tell me the amount of time that an employee can be away from their workstation before it's some type of violation? And I'm telling you, like, within an instant, we had people verbatim uh, talking about the rule. Uh, and then I, I asked two others, so what, when is, it, when is a, an employee considered tardy? I mean, like, what's, what's the, you know. Sure, don't don't use work? that word. Come on, man. <laughs> if they're if the employee is not uh, prompt, if they are not at their workstation within 15 minutes of their start time, blah blah blah, and you know, so just to to make a short story long, I asked about three or four rule violations, and I got verbatim, I got 100% participation first of all, which is a good thing, because John, you can appreciate this. Uh, I, I came up with this term um, when we would have management meetings. Uh, for the comm center specifically, I uh, have coined the term resting dispatcher face. Now, when you're talking to a room full of dispatchers who aren't talking to anybody on the phone, I don't know if it's a, a, a matter of like, they're never really seen, you know, they're not on the radio, they're not, or they're on a radio or they're on a, a phone line. So the other end doesn't see them and they don't realize what verbal or nonverbal feedback looks like. It's just a room full of eyes looking at you, most of whom look like they want to kill you. So 
uh, I had a room full of resting dispatcher face when I asked the following question because I got out of the way that everybody knew the rules. I said, okay, somebody tell me the mission statement of this place where we work. And I got nothing but resting dispatcher face looking at, looking at me to include the record supervisors. And everybody kind of looked at each other and somebody m- murmured something about the internet and somebody else said um, to arrest or to go home, you know, uh, red on red over yellow kill a fellow and i was like okay look the mission of the where we worked is to serve protect and defend the citizens while preserving the rights and dignity of all and i'm not saying that to show off i'm saying that because that's the mission statement so we all know we all know the rule violations and we all know how to write up employees and we know all know how to get them in front of ia and we know we all know how to get them days off and we all know how to punish them punish them but we don't know exactly what we're here for because that's what a mission statement is. It's what you're there for. So um, I think that you, it would go a long way, whether it's a law enforcement uh, or even you know, uh, fire rescue, especially in the comm center interview, if you're able to recite that agency's uh, mission statement, it might be a breath of fresh air for a manager to know that you know what you're actually doing there as opposed to just filling a seat. Uh, we don't you know, this is 2023 and we certainly don't want to hire people from the neck down. That, that was, you know, Vietnam era and just after, uh, kind of when I was hired pretty much, we, we want people to engage and we want people to be thinkers and may the Schwartz be with you. So, uh, John, what do you think of that? I think that's, that's all great points, Drew. And, you know, as you said, you, you've been a comms director and, I have not even sat in an interview, although I would like to do that at some point, because I do believe that uh, 911 dispatchers can recognize their own. That is kind of where I ran afoul, though, was is that uh, one of my coworkers and eventual trainer was in the interview. And it made it, uh, it made it for a hard, hard 10 months being trained by him. Don't, um, don't wear the red shirt, whatever you do in that, because you'll be eliminated, right? Isn't that how it goes in Star Trek? No, when you uh, watch all 79 episodes of the original series and when you watch the unaired pilot, which didn't come out until it was on Betamax in 1981, you'll realize that gold shirts and blue shirts, when combined, have a greater mortality rate than the red shirts or the operations division on board the USS Enterprise. John is a numbers guy, and I cannot appreciate that more. Thank you, John. Uh, we're we're going to go to some voicemails because we have uh, an ample sampling. It's very hard to say. Uh, but we are going to uh, discuss these. So a few weeks ago, I called in and I apologized on behalf of my profession as a nurse, you know, for our horrible 911 call making skills. This happened to me a little bit ago where I was looking forward to going to my favorite Mexican place and getting my favorite fish tacos. So I went I ordered ahead thinking that I could just run really quick on my lunch break and I can get these tacos and get back and get back to my work. But no, I ordered ahead and then I still had to wait. I waited about 15 minutes. I had already drove 10 minutes across town to get there. I was definitely stealing time from my company at this point. So I finally get my tacos. I am in the car. I'm rushing back to my office. Like I said, 10 minute drive. So I really had a long ways to go. So I figured, you know, I'm just going to eat when I drive. So I have the container next to me on my passenger seat. And then all of a sudden, 
I have a cop car that pulls up next to me. And for some reason, even if I'm not breaking the law, this gives me extreme anxiety to have a cop right next to me. So I put my taco down and I put both hands, you know, on the wheel at 10 and two, trying to be a good citizen, right? So then I'm driving and focusing on where my hands are. I'm not paying attention to my speed. And all of a sudden I see him speeding right next to this goddamn cop. Okay, so then I slow way down, and then all of a sudden I'm faced with. It cut off, I guess. I could say spoiler alerts. I know how the story ended. That I had been waiting all week for. Down, I'm sorry, something happened. And then all of a sudden I'm faced with a stoplight turned yellow. Okay, I don't feel comfortable running through a yellow light when a cop's right next to me, okay? I normally would. So here I am faced with this last-second decision. Do I slam on my brakes? So, of course, I did. And my wonderful fish tacos that I had been waiting all week for, all day for, had waited in line, stolen company time, go flying across my car onto the floor, container face down, and I am heartbroken. And then I have to drive all the way back to my office. Sad. So ultimately, the point of this story is that I apologize on behalf of nurses, and I would really like Drew to apologize on behalf of police officers. I feel like it's only fair. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I wait. I wait not so patiently for that apology. Drew, John, great shows. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Drew, you got called out there. I did. I, I got called out, and I was taking notes um, while. Um, towards the end listen uh oh hey just a quick warning i'm kind of all over the place you know we are uh primarily a podcast but we uh happen to do this show on youtube so i i like people to watch us as well this is a pretty visually heavy visual laden show tonight uh it's not to send you away from the podcast bill because you'll still be able to get the benefit of uh what we're talking about but there are a lot of visuals in here uh but, but let me paint this picture for you right off the bat John, let me ask you. April is demanding an apology on behalf of all law enforcement. Demanding. And yes, and I'm, I think that I am qualified to do so, correct? I think it's on you, incumbent upon you, to make an apology for this. Right. She, I mean, she speaks for all of the nursing profession. Now, what I want to do is ask you this. Do I answer in the old snarky Drew way, or do I just apologize i mean it's up to you i i will i can do both i mean i want you to go over to your desk and go grab the badge and the gun that you never turned in and go put them on and i want you to apologize for this taco situation because you you gd cops are driving around making everybody upset for no reason probably doing nothing running everyone's license plates and she lost her lunch and it's it's lent right now and you can't always get fish tacos and it's it's not like it's not like she's going to be able to just make that up the money was spent the fish is on the floor and she apologized to you and to me i would just like to say for the record that as a 911 dispatcher i have never ruined anyone's tacos drew Okay, so I, I didn't get a straight answer from you. So I'll just answer it in the old Drew way. <laughs> this is how the old Drew would do as if he hadn't turned in his shield and his piece. As uh, John uh, so aptly uh, told you just a second ago, I would simply say this. Uh, first of all, 
instead of apologizing for law enforcement, why don't you uh, thank law enforcement for not charging you with the theft of company time? Secondly, that's a civil issue. Secondly, uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, hang on a second. I see very clearly what needs to happen here. Oh, and I don't even think it's in here anymore. Never mind. Um, okay, so uh, I was, was going to say, did you have camera footage of the taco incident? No, because... I was going to minimize John, but it won't let me do it anymore. Oh, so, uh, StreamYard knows better. So, I, I want to say, uh, I, I just want to flat out say, you're welcome for the privilege privilege of driving safely. Uh, you don't need a cop around to proceed with caution. I just want you to know that. That's what the yellow light means. It means proceed with caution. You don't need to see the presence of a marked car next to you to proceed anywhere with caution. You can do that on your own. Uh, so, and also, um, I don't. I definitely don't want to uh, take away from any nursing profession or their hygiene or cleanliness, but if the floors are so dirty you can't eat off of them, I'm not, I'm not sure what, I, what to tell you here. Uh, as John appropriately put it, you lost your lunch. And that's pretty appropriate when I uh, consider what's all over your floorboard that you wouldn't be able to fix that. So now on company time, um, when you were stealing company time. Worst um, apology ever. No, that's that's the this is the old me talking, John. You you probably didn't follow the promise. I don't know. Uh, I guess I was screaming into a vacuum. So uh, that's the old me. That's what I would have told you um, because I'm I was too uh, wound too tight, and even today I was wound tight, and I've been retired for over a year or a couple of years. At any rate, here's what I'm saying uh, now: the new Drew. On behalf of law enforcement, I significantly and humbly, on one knee, apologize to you for you. Um, and your, uh, I guess, uh, new safe approach of stopping for red lights when there's police nearby. It was yellow. Um, I, well, yellow sure. means go yellow means speed up. <laughs> I, I do apologize that, um, you know, I do understand that you only have limited, limited amounts of time. And I'm going to tell you, I had the hankering for a milkshake. I had to leave my um, what we'll call soon to be stepson's football practice today to get here. I was flustered. I had to get fast food and I was craving a milkshake to the point where you'll get, you'll never guess this, but the, 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 the establishment I uh, drove through the shake machine was broken. And the plot twist here is it wasn't McDonald's that's trash. So uh, I was unable to get the, the, the milkshake. So I completely empathize with you. In fact, I sympathize with you that your, um, you, were, you had a food craving. Time didn't matter to you. Uh, you needed to satisfy that food craving. You were taking care of business on the way back. You were you know, delighting yourself probably with uh, chips and salsa of some sort, uh, just waiting for the fish tacos, the main course, if you will, until you got back uh, at a table you know, why you're probably going to be doing work. Uh, I empathize and sympathize more. Do we have any more voicemails, Drew? God bless your um, your will to work. And uh, I also uh, applaud you, and I do apologize on behalf of all of law enforcement. I also apologize on behalf of John, who uh, continually interrupts law enforcement. That is my job. You know, maybe I'm just one of those people that... I Drew, John, great shows all the time, every week. Love you guys, both of you. Quick question. You know, maybe I'm just one of those people that I don't have a question in attitude or anything, but uh, 
why is the dispatchers always questioning me whenever I call an emergency? You know, it's like I call in, I tell them, hey, there's a guy having a heart attack, and I get questioned, how do I know he's having a heart attack? I don't know, because of my training, because I know he's having a heart attack, because he's laying down on the ground with his hand on his chest, you know, not breathing correctly. Maybe that's how I know he's having a heart- cardiac episode. Yeah. It's like, how do I know it's a non-emergency? The guy hit a sign on the freeway. I get directed to non-emergency? What is this? Yeah, but hey, I love you guys. Hello. We love you too. Um, And let's not forget, we need to make sure that uh, whatever emergency medicine rolls out there, they have the the proper apparatus. So they kind of need to know if uh, if you're in the uh, if you're in heart attack world or if you're in a uh, I saw a guy fall off his bike and his shoulder hurts world. Um, However, you're right. uh, Searing pain down your left arm and um, the ability to taste almonds, I do believe, would be signs of some type of stroke or heart attack. John? You you assessed the guy and you determined it. That's great. Then you called me and I'm not there, so I don't know anything. You have to tell me something, man. And when you say I'm having a heart attack, you know, I don't know who you are. Like, sometimes that's an anxiety thing and maybe we don't you know that'll affect the way you roll out here's what you could do i'm going to give you the inside uh, scoop on this when you call 911 act like us i'm going to say where's your emergency well i'm at you know the intersection of 80th boulevard and 122. okay what's going on there i am a paramedic with a possible cardiac case a 34-year-old male patient, conscious alert, breathing, complaining of a, acute abdominal pain. And then don't say anything because the dispatchers, they get to go from there. You have to remember, too, that dispatchers, we, you know, we uh, a lot of agencies will just have a protocol that they have to go through. And dispatchers don't want to get in trouble and they don't want to miss anything. And there's quality assurance that they have to go through. So, so later, once you're home eating your fish tacos, they're probably going to be hauled into the office a month later and say, hey, why don't you do the proper protocol on this call? Because they're at work, they're their jobs. So cut them a break. They have to ask those questions. Uh, I I I hope for most agencies that you can just let go once a higher standard of care is there. So if you were a paramedic and you called me, I would say, okay, what are his vital signs? And you gave that to me. I would say, okay, I'm going to hang up. Dial nine one one if anything changes because he's already at a higher standard standard of care. But just cut us a break. We don't. We're not there. You have you have to bring us up to speed. It takes a second. That's all. I think where I work, the 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 chief uh, complaint is uh, why are you asking so many GD questions? And the answer is because uh, when we try to call EMS, th- they're trying desperately to not wake people up, so they ask they ask a lot of GD questions. So all they're doing is kind of cutting out the middleman. Somebody I, has I to be it, the asshole. I do it because trying. I'm nosy and because I want to delay the process for as long as possible. <laughs> right, Critical medical emergency when seconds count. You know. Uh, okay. Are, are the dogs Here's... put away? He drove into a stop sign. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> uh, are you near a fax machine? Okay. Let's put this uh, to bed with a great call here. Hello, Drew and John. This is Jim from Florida. Just calling to give you some feedback on the latest comm center episode involving Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, it was a very unfortunate incident, and uh, the way it ended up was very sad. However, it does sound like the cops did everything they could to uh, resolve the situation. Something to think about, there is a move in law enforcement when you have the sole occupant 
of a house or building that is suicidal and they're a threat to nobody else but themselves. There is a move among law enforcement agencies. Police are now starting to retreat as there is no threat to any other citizens. Just want to get your take on that. Hello. So what do you think about that, uh, John? Uh, I, 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 I meant to bring that up. If I didn't bring that up, I, 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 uh, I, that was foolish of me to not do that, but yes, that's, that's true. Like what we'll do, what we would do. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to hear your input in a second here, but if, if somebody is suicidal in a house and there, there's nobody else in there that's in danger, we're not obligated to go in and save them. And, and that's, we've never been obligated to do that. Um, we do that out of the kindness of our hearts and we certainly do owe a public service and we want to make sure that everybody's safe and we want to be able to deliver help be the middlemen maybe or uh re give referral perfect referral so we can save a life but if it means that we're going to get into a shootout or if it means that um uh we're endangering the lives of the officers for somebody who wants to take one of us out just so they can go out in a blaze of glory we're apt not to do that and that's got nothing to do with uh courage or heroism that's just smart thinking the guy is calling you saying he wants to kill himself or the family is calling begging and pleading with you to go in and help him but nobody else is in danger with that person this could be the destiny that they were looking for they're not calling themselves saying hey come in and help me someone is calling on their behalf and it's create it, it does create a lot of uh we are placing ourselves or almost we're almost borderline creating an exigency that we would have to deal with if we get in there and that person happens to point the gun at us and then we have to shoot back. And then of course we're wrong, just, you know, or, or we're labeled as wrong, just like we, uh, we did uh, ad nauseum last week. John, what do you think? Well, first of all, thanks for the comments on last week's episode. I just want to say it didn't apply in the Naji C Brooks case, just a way of a reminder. He was lighting fires. So, I mean, once you're doing that, that's a danger to other people in the apartment complex. Um, I really, I'm torn. I mean, I guess, I think you have to look at the totality of the circumstances for everything, right? Police officers do that all the time. I think if you're, the tactical situation is bad, like you know for sure he's got a gun or you have reasonable suspicion to believe he's got a gun. Um, you know, maybe not, and I say that conflicted because I've lost people to suicide and I really wish someone had saved them. Um, you know, it's especially since it's so prevalent in our society and so sad, but what's also sad is, uh, police officers losing their lives, which is also really prevalent. And what's uh, really sad is, uh, you know, when you have a suicidal subject and they kill a police officer, uh, because when you look at it afterwards through retrospect, you just like, you know, police officers got a, a wife and a kid at home or a husband and a child or just, you know, just deserve to go home. And uh, this was somebody else's mess. It's unfortunate, but it's but it's theirs. And the, the police officer had their own life to live. So I'm leaning away from it now, which is not something I would have said years ago. I would have said that just, you know, being a police officer is a, a high calling and uh, you've got to step into a gap where no one else can go. And maybe it's not fair or right, but uh, that's kind of the role you take on. But uh, I'm changing my mind about it. Um, and I, I would hate it if one of my police officers, if that happened to them, 
you know, just you kind of have to make it personal to, to know what's right and wrong in that situation. Uh, I know that uh, me and uh, Abby from on being a police officer were actually talking about this earlier this week. I just encouraged her to call in. She was saying how in the state of Washington, they have different laws out there than what apply in the Najee Seabrook's case in New Jersey. And uh, that uh, police officers in that state and perhaps elsewhere are not required to intervene. So it's uh, it's it's interesting, but I'm glad that uh, localities are able to make that decision for themselves. Drew. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've said what I've said. I I, I just think <laughs> here's the, the the worst part about this, or the or the most. Um, I don't know that every administrator has thought of thought this through, but. Where does that plea for help normally come in? It comes into the communication center. It doesn't come into the officer that's responding or uh, doesn't necessarily always get put on the shift commander. It gets put on the dispatcher and or emergency call taker or even the non-emergency call taker that's talking to a family who is saying, my wife, my child is about to take their own life and I really would like for you to go over there and help them. and uh, my simple question to the the executive staff members that I was dealing with at the time was, what would you like them to say? You know, you, you, this is a great conversation to have in this room where you can talk all tough and, and, and say, oh, you know, it was their day to die. You know, you can say that all, all you want. Um, I don't think that you're uh, really thinking it through, and I don't think that you're thinking – of the office or the community that we serve because you're going to have to have a dispatcher or a or a, a call taker tell that family member I'm sorry we just don't go to those anymore because so and so said so uh and the so and so said so is never going to make it onto the end of that sentence by the way so uh I think that there are a lot of uh, intricacies uh there there's a lot of stuff involved in that and and these are obviously difficult decisions so you know, maybe it should be put on the shift commander or the chief of police or the sheriff or whomever. Uh, but yes, I, I do see, I, I definitely see both sides of this uh, coin, but there are things, there are other ancillary things that we need to think about. So where are we at here, John? Uh, I don't know if Abby or David or we have, I know David for sure is on the line. I don't know if you want to get his take on that or not. He called in to talk about JFK. So that's really not germane to anything that we're talking about. Maybe you want to save that for the end or something. Yeah, we let's do, save that we for do, the end. we owe David some airtime because this podcast is brought to you by David. David, <laughs> out there and wherever he is, if you have a podcast and you want to get it going, seek out David for all your podcast needs. <laughs> right. So what we're talking about tonight is Jane Preeby, Preeb. I, I don't know if it's Preeby or Preeb. Forgive me, uh, Miss Jane, if you're, you're listening. I'm glad that you're alive, first of all. This occurred in January of 2017, like the end of January of 2017. Uh, we're going to play the 911 call in a second here. But a neighbor, uh, th this, this occurred, oh, well, first of all, John, don't we have a graphic representation of, of where this occurred? This occurred in... On planet um, Earth, yes. On it, Earth. it occurred on the planet Earth. We're talking about... Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, which is a pretty populated area, as I found out, this is where the uh, actual kidnapping took place. There's a very bizarre story behind it, but it's right here at the intersection of Flamingo Road and Decatur Boulevard. There's an apartment complex to the southwest there, as you can see. And she was abducted, uh, and somebody, a neighbor, witnessed it, and the abductor drove her all the way, 650 miles away, to 
uh, an area just outside of Santa Fe. Uh, the name of the place escapes me, but he was, uh, and we're, we're in a yellow cloud right now, but the, but he was stopped outside of a yellow, I, I'm sorry, outside of a shell station uh, just north of Santa Fe. Um, and the, it's uh, quite a distance, 650 miles. So let's think about all of that. So uh, before we get into the 911 call, I just want to I want to say this. Hats off to the investigators, first of all. These are very bizarre cases uh, to uh, work in, one. And two, these are very bizarre phone calls to take as a, a 911 dispatcher. You'll see, um, and, and I think you get jaded over, over time, uh, both as an officer and as a dispatcher, the more uh, outstanding or the more... F- um, uh, the more too good to be true or too bad to be true that the story is, the more outlandish the story is. That's the word I'm looking for. The more outlandish the story is, the more true it probably is. And you might think, oh, come on, you know, like you've heard it all, or you can kind of tell when somebody's got a case of the crazies and they're just giving you a, a tale, or when this guy is giving you this holy cow story and you're just sitting in Surrealville trying to figure out, holy shit, what do I do here? And what eventually happened was, uh, after we'll play the 911 call, uh, and uh, detectives responded, they confirmed what he saw, and they went to work. They locate. They were able to locate the cell phone of this uh, this young lady as she was abducted, and they put out an all points bulletin. They they invoked the emergency 911 system once again in the area where the phone was, and luckily they stopped her. Uh, they stopped the abductor with her in the van, and there's all kinds of twists and turns there. So, John, what do you think so far before we play the 911 call? That was your first trip to Las Vegas? It was not my first trip to Las Vegas. Uh, what, what What do you mean, when I abducted the young lady? or No, you, you said you, it was ahead of a lot of people in it, as you found out. I was just trying to see if like you hadn't been to Las Vegas until you're whatever age you are now. That's all. No, I've been to Las Vegas before one time. And then uh, this this is actually my second time. And on the way there, my first, by the way, my first two days in Las Vegas were spent in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in a blizzard. Uh, that's the Vegas of uh, sort of east central <laughs> Minnesota. So uh, it's also the the Libya of uh, the United States. Um, no, uh, I, I almost wonder what it would be like to be a 911 dispatcher in Las Vegas because you have a high transitory population. It must be really difficult to find information on people because they're not from there. You know, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the exact number is, but like a third to half of maybe the people that are there at a time, maybe more just don't live there at all. You know, so it's hard to get that information. And um, with all those bodies coming out of Lake Mead, you just have to wonder, you know, what kind of town it's been <laughs> since the old prospecting days till today. Las Vegas certainly has a reputation for being a not so nice, not, not so nice place if you're in the wrong spot. Well, I, I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I think it is probably pretty transitory, but there's uh, there's also a lot of military presence. There's a, an Air Force base. There's a Marine base nearby, from what I remember. Um, and then when you think about it, uh, crime wise, you're 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 getting people that are focused on gambling. I, I don't know that like everybody that lives in Las Vegas gambles, you know, so there's people that, uh, you know, just live there. There's cops that live there. There's firefighters, teachers, there's all kinds of infrastructure. Anyway, there's government employees, there's all walks of life. There's industry there. I know that there's like, uh, you know, there's distribution hubs and, um, there are, uh, there, there's a lot going on, but 
when you're dealing with um, gambling, you are dealing with addicts in a sense. Like, I don't know what the percentage is. It's probably a pretty small percentage, but uh, there are people that are probably addicted to the gambling part of it. And um, they're, they're just like any other addict. They're going to, you know, do make desperate moves to, to get, get their fix. Therefore they're going to steal or rob or, or do whatever they're going to do. Uh, my fiance and I drove in the downtown area for uh, uh, one thing or another. And we, uh, ran across a gentleman who I believe we both identified to be taking methamphetamine. He was um, walking at a pace of about 26 to 27 miles per hour. The wind was blowing. I'll give him that, but it was actually blowing in his face. And he was, uh, he was moving. He was like Gumby. Uh, so you see all walks of life in, in all, in all cities and in all nations. And I get that, but this, uh, this guy was geeked out. Uh, but at any rate, um, you know, the, the, the crime is going to happen no matter what. And in wherever people are, <laughs> crime is going to happen. Uh, and so that's the case here. So we're going to hear the 911 call. Monday, January 30, 2017. 10, 30, 3, and 0, 1 seconds. 911 emergency, Holland 16085, do you need police, fire, medical? Uh, it's emergency. Okay, do you need police, fire, or medical? Uh, I think I need police. Okay, what's the address of the emergency? Wait, can I, can I, I'm so sorry, but I don't know what to do right now, because my neighbor just got kidnapped. Your neighbor just got kidnapped? My neighbor next door. Okay. And How do you know this? I, because I was inside cooking and it hurt. See, this is what I'm saying. Like, you, you, you know why I know this is true? Because there's a kidnapping every day. Like you don't, you really don't hear of kidnappings happening a lot. And, and you don't hear of uh, people calling saying that the, the person was kidnapped. And um, we're dealing with a slight language barrier here also. John, do you have any, any comments? All I know is, is that in my experience, as soon as someone tells me there's uh, there's been a kidnapping or whatever, I'm going to start asking every question I can think of to disprove this as a kidnapping because... People have kind of a loose way of using terminology, particularly criminal stuff. Great like uh, someone will call in and say, I I've just been robbed. And I'll be like, okay, so a felony just occurred. So what exactly happened? Yeah, I got out to my storage unit and my, the, the manager there says someone cut the lock off last week. I'm like, all right, that is a delayed report on a burglary that is not the same thing as you just being robbed. So sometimes when people say, you know, there's been a kidnapping or something like that, you know, we're looking most typically... At, you know, some kind of uh, custody arrangement with kids, you know, whether they're shared right. custody or not custody, paperwork or not paperwork. Uh, one parent just doesn't want the other parent to have the child. It's usually described kind of loosely as a kidnapping. So when I hear this, and I'm not a Las Vegas dispatcher, I'm going to try to ask the most broad question in order to disprove this as a kidnapping as soon as possible. Drew. Like someone just kicked my door. So I opened and I see a guy just, she was handcuffed, everything. And he saw me too. And, and I'm really scared because he saw me and then my wife, sometimes she gets off work by herself. Okay, so you saw someone go into the house, get the girl and she so was I handcuffed? I, no, I didn't see some. They went into the house, I was cooking and I hear, all of a sudden it was so loud, someone kicked my door. So when I was, I opened the door, I see a, a white male drags this, female 
she was all cuffed and 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 going like she she was dragged downstairs because we live on the third floor they just dragged her all the way he dragged her all the way down to the to the stairs like literally like was it a police officer no 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 it was not a police officer and he he was trying to he choked her so hard she couldn't even talk and she was she, she, she i think okay what's what's the address four two zero one south decatur boulevard okay so what's the what's the apartment complex name a uh, boulevard Boulevard apartment. Boulevard apartment? Yeah. Oh. Okay, and what building number are you guys in? Oh, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm living there okay, hold on one second. Their apartment number is three zero eight seven. Okay. I think it's, that's a building 24 or something. I'm not sure, but. Okay. And how long ago did it just, it just happen or? Yeah, just ten, 10 minutes ago. I, I, yeah. Okay. And did you see any weapons? Uh, no, he choked her, literally dragged her from, from third floor and she was kidnapped and, and there, she, she dragged her in the back seat of this, uh, white van or something and, and it's I'm, i don't know i can't see the license it started out starts out with c it's not a nevada license plate it's not las vegas it looks it looks like it's texas and he he saw my face because okay I, I and you said it's a texas what's the do you you I didn't see anything that. of the no she's uh just kind of glossing over he keeps saying things like he saw my face he saw my face people are always concerned about stuff like that uh, there's there's another big red flag we're going to get in a minute uh, that we that uh, dispatchers always deal with, but um, <laughs> that you're going to have to kind of get over or uh, at least get the people over uh, when you're talking to them. But uh, John, what do you think? As I said before, she asked a question: Was this a police officer arresting somebody? Because that's the most broad question you could ask to eliminate this as a kidnapping. It was some misunderstanding, uh, a police action. Um, so everyone, when they call and they're upset, like this guy is, they want to tell their story. And so you start getting all these little details in that are frustrating as a dispatcher because they say, okay, I was in my apartment and I was cooking. And part of that is, is that he's reliving it. So he's going backwards in time in his mind, which I guess he has to do. But as a dispatcher, I'm like, I don't give a damn that you're cooking. Like you saw a license plate that started with Charles. Like, what else can you tell me about that? You know, like what color was that license plate? Because maybe Texas has more than one color. What kind of vehicle was it? What was its last known direction of travel? It's like, that's the stuff I'm gonna focus on. And sometimes you have to take command of that of that phone call. And it's very difficult because that person is locked into their story and emotions and extraneous details are gonna be part of it. And it's harrowing because apparently a woman was just pulled out in restraints of her apartment being choked by a man. And like, that's terrifying. You wanna get units rolling on that as fast as possible and give them excellent detail but we already know that the guy was cooking. It just, you know, it's just something that slows the process painfully down. And then, you know, in your mind, you're like, why did you wait 10 minutes to call? Like, that's like, because it could be a suspicious detail. Like, why did you wait 10 minutes? You know, like, 
I don't want to like open up the rabbit hole on that, but it, it's just a problem. You know, if someone sees something like that, if I saw something like that, I'd be calling like right away or I might be doing something different in this situation rather than, you know, kind of passively watching. Again, that's just kind of me like being a big man on the Internet. But uh, it's just frustrating that it's going this slow and she's trying to pump him for good information. And uh, he's he is scared about his situation, Drew. Two thoughts. The delay in reporting is uh, is something that needs to be overcome in, in, in any communication center. But think about how many people are victims of crimes and they call their parents first, then they call 911 or they call their daughter first and then they call 911 and it's delay, delay, delay. Um, and then uh, the second one obviously escapes me, but uh, I'm sure I'll think of it. No, it's a great, great point. You know, particularly with juveniles, they'll call mom or dad first because they want to know what to do or they'll call someone who's not at the scene. And that person has enough sense to call us. But then that adds further fog to the situation because like what you're calling about something that's going on in Las Vegas and you're where you're in Shreveport, Louisiana. And it just, it, it adds like 10 more minutes to try to figure out how this is related possibly to some other call that you have going on. And then this is, this is the other, this is what I was trying to remember. This is the, the other thing that this is a, a dispatcher's lament. This is what breaks up families, to be honest. And I've talked about it before, but get to the fucking point. You know what I mean? Like if you're a 911 operator and you're you're calling me telling me that somebody was just kidnapped, get to the point, you know, get to what I need. Just answer my questions. So when your loved one who is a dispatcher comes home and or was a dispatcher at one point comes home and you're telling a story. Uh, the the famous one with my ex-wife I use all the time is the newsletter. She was describing what a newsletter was to me. She was talking about the bold font and the fucking two columns and the pictures. And she's a lovely woman. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad, but she was describing what a a newsletter was. And I literally looked over, I like snapped my head at her like I was Satan and said, I know what a fucking newsletter is. And that wasn't, that was me talking, obviously. It came out of my mouth. That was the dispatcher in me, like, just get to your point, you know? And, and it's, I, I'm telling you, that wrecks families. It's not, it's not necessarily something that's controllable, to be honest. And, you know, you can call bullshit all you want. I've lived it, so. No, uh, you, you're, you're right. You're right, Drew, on that. And it's, it's just uh, an artifact of, first of all, just you being operationally ready to gather intelligence. Yeah. But pour that on top of all your empathy fatigue and all your burnout and all, you know, the fact that your relationship's probably already strained by all the stress that you're under. They, they come at you and try to tell you about their lives. And it's just like, I don't, I don't care Well, you get to the, like you said, get yeah. to the point. Get I to can totally meeting. relate to that. <laughs> um, and, and no ill will towards uh, my ex-wife whatsoever. So uh, I, I'm going to continue to play this. I'm going to let it play through in the interest of time, John. So just. Um, I want you to hold up the numbers two and one with the left hand and the right hand if you need me to stop. Nope. Yep. Yep. The opposite. Nope. The opposite. Okay. Bye. Plate. It looks. It looks like it's from Texas, but because it was really far away, and then I think the first two letters was was C T. Okay. C as in Charlie. T as in Tom. Yeah. It was, okay. It's a, it's a wide van. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything on this white van that stands out? Is it like a minivan? Uh, or a full-size van? It could be even a, I don't know, it, it could be even a Chevy 
blazer or something. I'm not exactly sure because I always see the front a little bit, and he parked at, at the at the handicapped spot. Okay. And and, and, have, and you said that the female, or the the guy that took the the guy that took the female was he white, black, Hispanic, or Asian? He was uh, he was white. Here's, here's just one thing where we always uh, break down a little bit, John, too, when we think about it. Um, we're not giving enough uh, deference to the fact that this guy just witnessed a fucking kidnapping with a woman screaming and kicking his door while he was kicking, while he was cooking his dinner. And she, you know, spoiler alert, she wasn't wearing much clothing and she was handcuffed and she was <laughs> being choked and, and we're we're all like, what the fuck's the handicap, you know, space got to do with it? But he's he's like trying to relive in his mind what he just saw, and he's freaking out. Like he probably hasn't seen too many kidnappings. Go ahead, John. You can see she's trying to kick it into high gear by gathering really pertinent information. So she's starting to give him options. And we usually will start this off with the race of the suspect just because Great. sometimes people are hesitant to give that because they don't want to say, well, it was the black guy that came over here and smashed that window you know they they're, they're hedging it because that's just a cultural societal thing at this point so you so you say you know people of all races commit crimes just pick one you know you're playing uno with 25 cards just pull one out and she's she's trying to kick it up into higher gear uh but the vehicle description thing you know he's fumbling over it and that drives me nuts and it happens every day you know there's so many uh regional things that are different like if i say truck to you drew what kind of truck if i say i saw a truck what what's what do you see what did i see well, I'm picturing a large circus truck with an elephant in the back. Well, it was just a regular pickup truck, green in color. So my point being Shoot. is that is that you can have a cement truck, a tanker truck, a semi truck, and all these things are called a truck. And you're just trying to figure out, you know, was this just a Ford Ranger or, or what the hell was it? So that's why she's, you know, and some people can't identify vehicles. Okay, so this guy could be driving an SUV or a crossover, but just say van or sedan. Like the number of people who don't know what a sedan in anymore is anymore is a uh, haunting because they're like was it a sedan no it was just like a regular car it was a station wagon all right here we go white okay and the female is white too okay and how old did he look he, he, between between 30 to 30, 80 uh, 40s i'm sorry 30, 30 to 40s yeah okay and like, about how tall was he, he about six foot tall Six foot tall? Yeah. Okay, is he thin, medium, or heavy build? Uh, medium build. Medium not, build? Okay, what color shirt was he wearing? Um, I, that I don't remember anymore. I, okay, I, did you I, see the color hair? Yeah, he had short, short blonde hair, maybe. Short okay, blonde. and you don't remember the color of shirt? No, I don't remember. Did you see the color of his pants? No, because he, 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 he the, the female was in front of him. He was dragging her uh, from her back. And then, and then when he saw me, he was, he was choking, he was choking her. Like, so she couldn't even scream. Okay. And so do you have any reason to believe he's under the influence of drugs or alcohol? I don't, I don't think so. Cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And you said you, you didn't see any weapons other than him. Choking her, correct? Yeah. He might have weapons. I don't know. I'm, right now, I'm worried about my wife as well. Okay. 
Yeah, because and, and that 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 mentioned it last night. I lost them when, when I got home. Sir. Yes. So they went down. They went down the stairs, correct? Did you see them when? Did you see the van pull off anywhere? Yeah, the one pulled off, and then. Okay. Where did? Where, which way did they go? Like, if he was backing up, he he he, he probably wouldn't make a right turn because that would be the easiest way to exit the community. Okay. And if you make a right, where would you? What street would you be on? Well, if if he exited the the a complex, that would be on Decatur Boulevard. Decatur. Okay. Would it be northbound or southbound? I can't. I, uh, I, oh, southbound of Decatur. Southbound on Decatur? So, so where we are is between um, Flamingo Boulevard and Decatur Boulevard. Okay. And, and her okay. apartment. Um, yeah. And he didn't say anything to you or anything when you when he was leaving the apartment. He just gave me the scariest look. Okay. And the female that he was taking, she said he, she was white, right? Yes. Okay. And about how old did she look? Between between twenty five to. 30. Okay, and about how tall was she? She seems pretty. She seems pretty tall. I, I'm I'm not sure if it's the right girl I've seen before, cause cause I never I never seen them. But like one one time I seen her, she she's rough. Okay, five, five, all right, eight. I five eight. Yeah. Five, okay, five, thin, five, medium, or heavy build. Medium build. Okay, and did you? Uh, what color is her hair? I think I think I think it's I think it's dirty blonde. Okay, and what, did you see the color of her shirt? She didn't have she didn't have any clothes on. She didn't have any clothes on. So she meaning bra, she had a bra and 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 a and a, and a panty. That's that's about it. Great question by Greg in the chat. So the dispatcher is almost uh, is most likely already dispatched units to the area at this point. No. Uh, the question, the, the the answer to your question is, yeah, absolutely. They, they, she's uh, gathering as much information as she can, uh, but she's already put. Uh, you can hear her typing. She's just adding information into a CAD call, more than likely already. Okay. And and she was handcuffed, legs and arms. Okay. Did she look like that she was maybe drugged or um, on alcohol? I don't, I don't think so, but she was choked really hard. So you, right, I know, but do you, do you have any reason that she might have been drugged or anything? No, she was awake. She was awake? Yeah, because she, she tried to scream, but she can't. And she, you didn't... Okay, and what's your name? Oh, uh, Lee. Lee? Oh, I, 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 Lee, that's my last name. Okay, what's your first name? 
Um, do I have to give out my first name? If you don't want, do you want to remain anonymous? Okay. Uh, we do this quite frequently in the 911 business, and John has a point. I'm going to let him make it in a second. And um, I, I'm not a fan of this. I, I tried to address it uh, when I ran a comm center, but I, but I completely understand why people do this. But um, it's it's tough enough getting information out of people. And when you tell them that they cannot be anonymous anymore, they tend to shut down on you. So you do you tell them whatever you can tell them to keep them on the phone. It's very, very difficult to get people to talk once you tell them that they can't be anonymous. Of course, he's not going to be able to be anonymous in this situation. He just witnessed a kidnapping. He's going to be the main witness if they find somebody. And God forbid if she were killed, he was the last person to see them alive. So um, it's kind of tough to make that false promise. Yeah, we'll just keep you anonymous. There's no way we're keeping you anonymous. It's it's You're going to be part of the criminal case. And you'll be protected, which is different than anonymity. Uh, but his concern is that the guy saw his face. I, I don't know if you will recall, John, there was an episode of the Flintstones where uh, the robber saw Fred Flintstone's face and and uh, did show up to retaliate on the Flintstone residents. So I do understand his th- his fears, but it's not likely. And I always tell the same thing. You know, this is what I would tell people when I was flipping when I was flipping them into informants. Uh, because they want they wanted their highest uh, you know they're obviously cartel members as they would always try to promise you and I, I would say look the people that you're about to or the, the people that we're about to arrest have more things to worry about than you so let's just try to get to the to the bottom and just get the most accurate information go ahead John I want to echo all of that um, you know when you dial nine one one you're you're committing yourself to a public record. And I say that with some hesitation because I don't ever want to discourage someone from dialing 911. But like you, you witness a kidnapping, man. You, you, I'm sorry, you're part of it now. I maybe I wish you weren't, but um, you know, people can subpoena that record. Like Drew says, you're going to be a, a part of a court case. This goes on a lot where someone wants to call and they're like, "I'm a mandatory reporter and I have information about a child that may be in danger, but I want to remain anonymous." And I'm like, "Okay, well, you know." Let's say we need to get a warrant or something. A judge is going to want to know where this preliminary information came from. And we're not, the judge isn't going to sign off on like invading someone's personal space or privacy based on the word of, you know, Mr. X or Mr. Anonymous. Doesn't mean that there's not a process for getting that sealed, like Drew said. Like it all really depends on a lot of things going on there. But uh, most of the time when you dial 911, you just, you got to be ready that you're reporting something. Now you're a part of it. Uh, and it is tough because you, you know, you do want to give people the option, but on 911, it's, you're kind of too late. You're past that point. And this guy is just really scared. And that's the reason why I asked that. And he'll get into that as we keep going Drew, Uh, there's a great question in here. Um, did the, uh, do we know if that was the only person that called police? Uh, no, I don't know that factually that that was the only, the, the, the only person to call police. But, uh, when I did my public records request, I asked for the 911 calls related to this event and uh, this was the only one that they could produce. Now, we're going we're gonna to delve a little bit more into public record in a minute. That's kind of why I want to get through this. Uh, and as Micah said, a lot of people in UAE don't like uh, the police, but the people of Abu Dhabi do. Yes, because I'm, I'm, I'm married too. My, my, my wife would have business schedules. She gets off. Right. No, this is just for officers if they needed to contact you. That's all. No, I don't think I, I don't want to be contacted. I don't, I don't know when he's coming back. I'm, I'm just worried about my wife. Okay. So you don't want any contact from the officers. Do you want them to just call you? Because yeah, they can just call you. They don't yeah, have to come to your apartment. Yeah, they can just call me. But he- 
uh, I, I know I keep interrupting and stopping and I don't mean to do this cause we do need to move. But, um, that was one of the options that I offered was like, if, if we could as call takers just say, okay, fine, we'll keep you anonymous for now, but an officer will be contacting you. If you give somebody the, the option, they're going to take it. If you don't give them the option, they're going to be fine with it. Um, maybe not fine with it, but they've got to answer the phone at some point. It's on my face though. I'm not okay. Finished. Yeah. I stepped all over that. He said, again, he saw my face, though. That's his main concern. His main concern is his wife, who's in that parking lot, like when she comes home from work, whenever that is, and that the guy saw his face. Okay, and what's your phone number? Well, we don't need to do all that now, do we? Um, as I find the file, Flapjack, we are going to just fast forward through his phone number a little bit. Yes, yeah, so just scrub forward that. a little bit. Do you need okay. a, do you... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Drew. Did you see if her door was kicked in? The door? Her, her apartment door? Yes, her apartment door. Did it look like it was kicked in? No, it seems like they, they were from, they came out from the, the inside, I think. So you, you didn't hear anyone come into the door? No. Okay. Andrea points out rightly, nappers go nap. Okay, and Police. he said the apartment. John is squirming in his seat right now because he would have edited all of this uh, typing, but I I, I, refu I refuse to let him do it. I am the uh, fastest typist in whatever state I'm in. Zero eight seven. That's the female's apartment, correct? I I don't know. I mean, they could have been lived together. I don't. I don't. Well, I I know, but the apartment number that you gave me was the apartment number that they were coming out of. Yeah. Okay. Give me one moment. I'm still here, okay? I think she's waiting for PD to get to his door and talk to him. Yeah, she'll even make a reference to that. I'm still here. I'm just reading my event. funny how Andrea asks, and it's a recording, and they still answer her. Andrea was wondering, what is she doing? And the dispatcher answered her. Okay. All right. Well, we have officers on, on, um, on scene, so... 
the whole reason I let this play all the way through is for this last probably 30 seconds, which is like the finale of the fireworks. Uh, we're, we're just, conf I'm just going to confirm it's okay to contact you by phone if they need any further, correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. I'm so sorry. I have a question. Okay. How do I, so now that he saw my face, what, what do I do now? So if something, if, if you see him, call 911. If he comes back and he tries to do something, then call 911. Yeah, but that's something I'm not aware. I'm worried about when, when just my wife by herself. Right, and. I mean, that when 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 he's when I don't see him, that's what, what I'm worried about. Okay, so if you don't see him and your wife is home alone, just tell her to keep the doors locked, and if something happens, then call 911. Or, I mean, there's because there's a long distance from parking lot to where we live, so she has to walk by herself. What, I mean, what exactly are you asking me to do? I, I'm asking you what should we do at this point. Your best thing to do is just to call 911. Okay. If anything happens, just call 911. Okay. Okay? All right. All right. Well, you're Johnny Anonymous, so don't worry about it. Uh, listen, I, I get what he's saying. He's just, he's still in a panic. He's probably never, he hasn't seen many kidnappings, obviously. Uh, so I, I do understand what he's, uh, what, what his concerns are. Uh, you, you know, this is a, a good opportunity maybe for a dispatcher in, in you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. obviously. I think that dispatcher did an amazing job, the call taker anyway. Um, how about this though? Um, well, sir, it's it's your time to be the best witness possible so we can come to a peaceful resolution here. So um, just keep your eyes and ears open. There'll be an officer coming to talk to you and, and boom. Uh, you, you don't want this to happen to your wife. You don't want this to happen to you. So make sure that you uh, give the best descriptions and be as helpful as you possibly can. And um, to include giving your effing name. John? Uh, we get this a lot in dispatch where people want to either prevent something in the future or have some kind of advice about what to do if crime occurs. And man, isn't that just all the dis the problem that we all live in is that crime is coming. Um, I, uh, hopefully, you know, the, his concerns were given to the Las Vegas Metro pre-crime division, as Micah has pointed out, pre-crime. Uh, what can we do about that stuff? Well, I mean, if we know he's a witness to the crime, like if we receive a credible threat or anything goes on, yeah, of course we can protect the guy. But, you know, this guy who's dragging a woman out, like he probably just saw like, oh shit, I've been seen. Other than that, he's not just like, oh, it's this guy and this thing here. Maybe he is. I don't... The guy had the forethought to park in disabled parking before he went out and <laughs> kidnapped this woman. But he also has like the moxie, the balls or the stupidity to apparently kidnap a woman in four point restraints and choke her out down three flights of stairs to get her outside. Again, this is Las Vegas. I have to wonder how many 911 calls this generated, hopefully some, uh, but I get it. I get it. He's scared. You know, what do I do if this guy comes back? If I see this guy, the answer is of course, dial 911. You want to be able to say like, you know, well, what would I do? Like, man, I'm going to stay strapped. That's what I'm going to do. But you can't say that, you know, you can't tell you can, people. You can't, and you, you can't, you remind can't them, also... Like, Go ahead, Drew. You also can't say, I wouldn't have called in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I would I would not say that to him. Uh, that's what you call classically bad advice. You know, we offer both here so that you can kind of contrast good advice right. and bad advice. Uh, <laughs> but make the decision for yourself and consult a 911 dispatcher near you if you're not sure. You know, call if you're not sure. Um, 
Ramey L in the in the chats wants to know what time of day did this happen. For some reason, when I picture this, it's all daytime. It's like the sunniest day in Las Vegas. It's it like is. 10 30 in the morning or something like that. Man, yep. that's price is right's not even on yet. And you got kidnapped. That's a tough, tough town. Yep. I wonder if you can uh Ramey is uh, somebody that I used to work with, and and I'll bet you uh uh well you'll never be able to guess what her last name is. Um I'm I'm going to play for is it you. Lincoln? Uh, no, that's her married name. Uh, I'm going to play for you. Her last name is actually Guess. So she used to get in trouble all the time. Uh, and I don't know why I just outed her. I doxed. I basically doxed somebody I worked with. So All right. Now her, now her date of birth and her address, Drew. <laughs> no, I have her social. That'll be in the chats soon. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to play the body cam uh, of this. It's exciting, but it's uh, lengthy. So I'm going to try to shut up for your benefit. But we, we do have to give a little bit of a play-by-play. -play, don't forget, because... Um, we're, you know, primarily, uh, whatever podcast, uh, the audio will kick in in a minute. We'll try to, um, so, so this is 1150 a night. Let's not forget 650 miles away. The detectives showed up there. They did their investigation. They found, uh, you know, the, one of the kidnappings that I worked, um, or I was a part of, I won't say that I worked it as a well, it's the scariest thing you see is the, the woman's purse and her cell phone still in the apartment. Nobody, no, no. no woman, no woman leaves their house without their purse. Hey, be here. Get on your PA. Classic be felony here. stop, guys. Call him up. Be here, get up. Passenger. There is a passenger. There is a passenger. I do want to mention that we're using the uh, YouTube video from a, an account called Police Activity. They have a, a lot of wonderful video on their page. They uh, uh, put the disclaimer on there that they're using it for educational purposes only, as we are. Um, but uh, I, I give credit to them. I don't know where they downloaded the body cam footage from. I, I looked all over for it as well, but uh, shout out to them. So they're walking the driver back. Uh, as they do in, quite frequently in a felony stop. He's complying. Uh, he's got his arms out to his side. He's being told to do that. He doesn't have any shoes on, but he has suspenders on. Uh, what you want to try to do is get him to turn around real quick uh, just so you can see that he doesn't have anything in his waistband and then have him walk back to the sound of your voice. Hey, keep him up. Keep him coming back. Keep him coming back. There's a passenger. There's a passenger, 48. Go ahead, go ahead. Hands up! Hands up, okay, the passenger door just kind of popped open, and now there's a the passenger, ground, passenger. Out. They're asking the passenger to get on the ground. Uh, all the yeah, way I on got the ground. Passenger. I got passenger. And somebody is holding deadly force on the passenger, which is uh, just to, to let everybody else know, look, uh, if the passenger moves, I got him. So now they're all advancing. Hey, watch your cross And the passenger door is open. The driver's door is closed. Um, is there anyone else in there? Yes, there's one person. Yes, there's one person. Watch it. There's movement. Don't move. Don't you move. Stay down. Yes, sir. 
She's in there. You can hear her yelling, help me, please. Make sure, yeah, go ahead, clear the rest of the car. So they have the vehicle essentially secured. They're opening the sliding doors, and you can hear better now the victim in there. And she is screaming, help me, help me, help me, please. They're securing what they thought was a female from the passenger seat. Turns out to be a transgendered male. So he's a male that wears women's clothing and is transitioning into being a woman. This is in 2017, so we are allowed to say things like transgendered. I don't know what we say now. But right now they're conducting a pat down on the passenger, and there there's another set of officers up at the van. The, the driver is obviously secure already in the back of somebody, one of their patrol cars, and uh, they are dealing with the passenger, making sure that the passenger doesn't have any weapons, and they are trying to calm the victim. The reason they haven't pulled her out of the car and uh, of the van, the victim that is, is because she is chained to the inside of it. Stop. Get on your knees. So this is a different body cam view. Up. This is the suspect going to his feet. He's wearing camouflage pants and bare feet. And you have a cuffing officer that has moved forward to, to place handcuffs on him. And there's another officer in the frame that's holding deadly force on the passenger and close enough to just turn and, and do uh, take care of business if the, uh, if the driver breaks bad for whatever reason. Uh, as they're cuffing him... This is just a, a rehash of what happened because this is, it's just a different angle from what we previously played for you. So we don't, uh, the, I, I believe this is New Mexico State Police and possibly, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the city that was um, just, it was outside of Santa Fe, just north of Santa Fe. I can't remember the name of the city though. Um, so hats off to these officers. They kind of have control of everybody involved. They have the driver and the passenger, a peaceful resolution. They are occupying both of them, uh, meaning they're, the driver and the passenger are within spitting distance of one another, but they're occupying both of them so they're not able to communicate. What you don't want to do is let the suspects uh, sit with each other or talk to each other so they can get their story straight. You want to keep them separated. Uh, so that um, they can't uh, create a story to stick to. Uh, hopefully okay. they don't put them in the same car anyway, and I eat my words on this one. But So he's asking, is the vehicle clear? Is the vehicle clear? I'm not sure that he knows what's going on here, but he's... Got a camera. You need a. Oh yeah. my God! Thank you. There's the victim. She's in the back. She's handcuffed in front. She has a okay, little here, okay? like dog chain, like bike chain around her neck. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just hold on for now, okay? Just hold on, okay? Sarge, I'm gonna take some pictures. We have the evidence. She's tight chained down by the neck. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, make sure we get photographs. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I don't want to. And she understands what I'm going to do, okay. but she's cool with it. Okay, okay. 
So they're still dealing with the person inside the van. You can hear how shaken she is. They're trying to take photographs of her. Uh, they obviously asked her permission to, before they freed her from the back of the van, if they could take pictures of her for evidentiary purposes. And she's all about lock this. Yes, sir. We're getting you out of here, okay? So at some point, I don't know if we missed it or glossed over it or if it's uh, going to show up in a second here, but he goes back and asks the driver, where are the keys? The, the driver says the keys are in the ignition. He says no to the locks around her neck. But I, I, I do believe that's where the key to the, the locks are as well. Got enough light there? Good point, Elizabeth. They are being very compassionate to this person. Uh, they, they, they are asking for her permission to take photos. I am sure she's ready to be freed from that. the back of that van. She's freaked out. I got pictures of her and I got pictures of the chains. Okay, and she they are pulling her out of the van and... Uh, She's getting to stretch her legs a little bit. Obviously, she's very shaken up. They've uh, blocked out her face. But it's quite a significant chain that's around her neck. I mean, it's pretty heavy. Uh, so they're using a standard, I think, uh, a, a standard handcuff key to, to take her her handcuffs off. Uh, you got the sergeant doing that. And uh, they wanted to video it. And then then the guy with the body cam on said, I'm standing right here. It's It's all being videoed. So he said, hey, why don't you take it to the front of that vehicle because there's a camera in there. And he said, I'm rolling, meaning I, I have my, my camera. So he's saying, he's trying several different keys, trying to open the, the lock. And he's like, I don't have a key for this one. And then finally he realizes that he does have the key. So he just, in this moment, has freed her neck from those chains. And she just, her arms went right to her, to her neck. I was in Las Vegas. He broke into my Las Vegas apartment and stole me from my home. Las Vegas, Mexico? Nevada. Nevada? He fucking hauled ass. Do you know the guy? Yeah, he's my ex-boyfriend. So it's an ex-boyfriend. you know? They called us and told us. Who did I was up at the office trying to run him, see if we had anything on him. Oh my God. Is this your guys' or ours? Oh. Talk to Sergeant, see what he says. Sergeant. 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 Were you able to get a hold of somebody to tell him where you were at? Or... No? He dragged me out of the place and I fought so fucking hard because I was like, this is how you die. And. I think a neighbor saw me getting dragged out. Mm -hmm. He choked me out like six times because I kept fighting so hard. Okay, did you lose consciousness when he was choking you? Yes, like six. He choked me out six times. Okay. You guys want to pull one of your units up here and put her in it? That's all. I was just going to see if that's all right with you guys. I don't know. I don't know whose it is. So. 
I also, I wear, I wear glasses and he like, they're fucking wrecked on the floor of my apartment. So they're discussing jurisdictional issues, to be honest. They're, they're just like, who's got this? Who's, who's going to handle it? I, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of we don't want to do it. I think it's just more of a who's going to handle it. So this is where I have a tough time on these scenes. I, I got to be honest with you. It's it's not a matter of. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in the the emotion or, or the, you know she spent through something very terrifying and and to be able to free her from her chains literally uh, her handcuffs and the chain around her neck is a very emotional and and symbolic thing. Um, and I'm telling you, I, I hold on one second. We're going to pause it. I'm pretty convinced that uh, <laughs> I would be feeling, um, I, I can't think of the word, but I'd be feeling pretty much the same nausea that she's she's feeling. Uh, this would be a good time as a human being to just put your hand on her shoulder and say, look, uh, you're free and you're safe. And we're going to do everything we can to prosecute this person. We just need, you know, your full cooperation and you're doing great so far. And just, just giving her a little reassurance. She's a long way from home. She's just been through a kidnapping and uh, you know, this is where just a tiny bit of compassion goes a long way, but you also have to dance this fine line of, she was just brutally kidnapped by her ex-boyfriend. So she may not be uh, real happy with the male figure and uh, standing in front of her also. So you have to be very cautious of that. John, do you have anything? Well, yeah, that'd be just horrifying to see. You see, you know, but great that they, and I mean, I don't want this to happen, but they caught him in the act. You know, there's not going to be any any doubt about the horrors that he put, perpetrated on this person. You know, uh, the dehumanization, you know, the we, we've got it all. And I, and I love the fact that they're like, okay, you know, let's get pictures of this right away. The instant that we've got her, cause we want to, we want to, we hope that a jury is going to see this at some point and they need to see the, the horror that this person perpetrated because, uh, just telling the story is not going to be the same. You know, it's one of those things where this is so bad. You have to be there and failing that you've got to have those pictures of that moment. So Great job to the officers. I love the compassion. I love them, you know, uh, setting her free. And, uh, you know, she got into the police car there. And I would be like, I'm going to leave the door open. I don't want you to feel trapped, you know, because you have no idea what they're feeling in that moment. They may they may not want to be in another car, you know, especially after going 650 miles. You may just feel glad to be on terra firma and not go anywhere for a moment. But right. you can see that the ambulance is there. You know, once they got the suspects uh, arrested in the back of the car, ambulance would have been cleared to approach and they're going to get uh, vital signs and document injuries and probably go to the hospital for sure. Drew, go ahead. Now we're going to kick it up another notch and we're going to listen to the bizarre behavior of the 
I mean, is it bizarre? Is it an act or is this just how this guy is? Let's for a little background on this. This is an ex-boyfriend. They didn't date for very long. And um, he invited her out for coffee uh, earlier this night, this evening. And the the trans uh, transgender female companion that he has followed the victim back to her apartment to try to identify exactly where the victim lived. The whole intent on that is that this guy, who we see on the screen now, we're going to hear from in a second, he's in the back of a police car. They're shackling his legs, just like he shackled hers. Uh, He wanted to kidnap her because he was going to take her to a cave in New Mexico where he was to um, tie her or um, chain her to an anchor in this cave that he had kind of created. And he was going to brainwash her to be his wife. Um, I, I Words don't describe, but at any point, he enlisted the help of his companion, his uh, transgendered companion, who is a, dresses as a female and 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 she's actually the one she she went she went so far as to to, to uh, the companion went so far as to knock on every door in the apartment because though she followed the victim back to her apartment she didn't know which apartment it was so she knocked on a series of doors and acted like she was soliciting donations when she figured out which door it was that's when he moved into the parking spot and then the abduction began so he's in the back seat he's yawning. He's got his seat. Uh, he's kind of smiling. He's really loose. Um, and, you know, I just want to say uh, about guys like this, they know when they've been caught. And they, and they also know, like, the, the adrenaline dump is over for them. Like, the rush is over for them. Uh, this, is, this, goes, this is a great interview, you know, tactic as well when you see him yawning you know you got him kind of because the adrenaline is done like they it's defeat they know it's over so he's tired he's exhausted um and you know how god knows how long he's been up i mean i think this is about 12 hours later so i i do believe he was in uh, a marine i don't know that for sure but i'm pretty sure he was i think i read that somewhere. So he's still yawning back there. Um, I don't know if he realizes that there is a camera in the backseat focused on him. Um, but there's something important I want to point out here when it starts to happen. It's not nearly upset enough for someone who's just perpetrated this. This is just nothing yeah, to him. He's, he's not really asking, what's this all about? He's just trying to get as comfortable as he can. He can't really put his legs all the way forward because the cage in there. I mean, I wonder if he's just like, well, I didn't make it to the cave to chain her to an anchor, so I guess I'm going to have to come up with plan B. I know uh, Ramey had asked earlier if the FBI would get involved in, in uh, some of this prosecution, Drew, because she was transported across state lines. <clears throat> That's true. 
the uh, and Ramey is very sharp when it comes to that. The FBI definitely got involved. The FD, uh, the FBI um, ended up prosecuting the case. I think he ended up getting life in prison as well. But yes, it's a federal crime because uh, the kidnapping wasn't just a, a Nevada crime. It, 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 it transferred through three different states. I think Arizona, maybe, and New Mexico. Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico. Andrea is saying uh, something about his eyes. Is that you think you would have a uh, drug recognition officer maybe come to the scene, try to diagnose something here, Drew? I think that would come in the interview. I mean, I, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't, uh, with an investigation of this magnitude, first of all, you're going to get guidance from the Clark County um, detectives where this all originated so you want to make sure that you're following what they want done their wishes but you're just you're probably more than likely just going to get this guy back to uh some type of office or holding room or holding facility or interview room um and don't i wouldn't worry about the um like the the lesser included stuff just yet uh it might even give them an opportunity to come down a little bit so you can get some straight answers out of him if, in fact, he is high. But uh, you're going to ask him at some point uh, while you're interviewing him if he's under the influence of drug or, drugs or alcohol. Yeah, he continues to yawn. He's just decompressing, just chilling. It's a Caucasian male. Pretty good description uh, was given. He looks, you know, about 30. He's got a kind of a high and tight haircut, kind of a plain tee that kind of fits Tight on his body. I think that's why Andrea thought maybe he was uh, prior military, but he's just sitting there waiting while uh, all the rest of it goes on. It's just, it's kind of eerie that uh, he just is so nonplussed by all of it. And he's also not acting very put out. It's almost like he's just like, well, I was either going to go this way or I was going to have an anchor wife, I guess. It's like it was <laughs> flip of the coin to him one way or went. He's not, doesn't look disappointed, not frustrated, not upset. Doesn't look like he's grappling with the morality of what he did. He's, What's that? Him. He says, you got to no, favor him? Don't. Why not? I don't know. I've never been into them. What about you? What about Amazing Grace? You like that one? I'll take it. So, he is literally singing Amazing Grace. And at a key too low. He is a wretch, Micah. That's a good point. He's a wretch. Okay, now. The better Most people part don't. Is, most people don't know right. the second verse. It's, is that it's, he knows the second and third verses. Like he's, he's going to sing the full thing to him. That says a lot about him and about his past. I mean, the guys, you pretty much get verses two through four in church. So that says a lot about him. That's important right there. It's a great point, John. That's important for the interviewer to know. That That's something that would come up in the interrogation, as in, I'm, as an interviewer, going to use that at some point. 
Oh, yeah. Appeal to his sense of uh, confession, getting clean with God, coming out and just, uh, you know, admitting to everything. You know, it's what God would want you to do. And luckily, it's what the criminal justice system wants you to do as well. Tactical dude is saying he's definitely a Marine, uh, that we know these things. He's trained. Is, is, uh, is Amazing Grace a thing with... Uh, I, I know that rote memorization is probably a thing with Marines, if I had to guess. So I'm wondering if Amazing Grace is something like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, I do what I can. You, are you a Christian man? Yeah, I am. You? I am. In my uh, in my van, there's a, a Bible, a Nelson Bible, and a Baptist hymnal. Are there any chances I can get those? I'm pretty sure. It's gonna your vehicle's gonna be right up the road anyway, so let's get this one first. Okay, something else important for the investigator. I'll see the, the which one? Which Bible? There's a Nelson, but if there's two of them. There's a big one, and then there's a smaller red one. It's a smaller red one. Yeah. Okay. And then the Baptist hymn. I'll see about getting it for you. That'd be sweet. Right. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Eh, not much. Super polite. I think you should... I do, here's, it's just another lesson that I want the, the young cops out there to, to, to learn. You're dealing with this guy here. Okay, he's obviously dangerous. But one, but two, he's not being a dick, and there's no reason to be a dick to him. Okay, now that may be a controversial take because he was definitely a dick to this victim. However, how are you going to get any other law enforcement officer to talk to this guy, or how are you going to get his cooperation if you're not appeasing to a certain degree? I'm not Absolutely. saying cheerlead for him. I'm not saying give him a neck massage. I'm saying if he's making small talk keep him talking make sure that you let the investigator know he's very interested in this red bible and he's very interested in his baptist hymnal and make sure that you search that ba that bible and that hymnal very very thoroughly to make sure that there's nothing in there before it gets you know even comes close to anywhere he, near where he is but uh, all of these things are very important uh, to know for the interrogation. The interrogation would be great to break down at some other point, uh, but not for this show. Um, but it's it's uh, it's just something to think about. It, when, when you're when you're a cop, it is very easy to get into the habit of playing cops and robbers, and you're always the cop, and you're always dealing with the robbers, and you don't ever make friends. But I have made more. Uh, we'll call it we'll, we'll call it more money, more status, more rank by offering a cigarette or buying a Coke or just having a, a, a conversation about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with somebody who's committed a heinous crime than you would ever imagine. I'm not, I'm not a fan of their criminal activity. I am definitely trying to get into their brain to walk around a little bit, and I'm definitely trying to get them to see through the badge and the uniform so that the next guy or girl that has to come in behind me and talk to them can do so pretty easily. Yeah, what you're talking about is basically what hostage negotiators have to do over the phone or at distance. You're establishing a rapport, pattern of cooperative behavior, not being adversarial, you know, being a good guy when you can, 
And it's so hard to talk to these guys and be congenial when your stomach's turning over what you just saw. You can't condone their behavior, but if you could come at this guy and he's like, yeah, can I have a, a book? And as long as you're able to do that tactically, you're like, yeah, why not? You know, we'll, we'll come back, we'll work together and uh, we'll figure out how the heck this all happened, guy. Like, we'd love to hear your story. You know, if you can chum it up, like if you can bear to get through that with your stomach, just remember, you know, you're playing him like a cheap fiddle and he's going to give you everything you need, hopefully to send him away for a long time. I'm hoping that they can play that up. Like, yeah, you're, you're a Christian guy. You know, I, I am too. And confession's good for the soul and the truth will set you free. Ironically, you know, if you could get him into that pattern of thinking, he'll, he'll hang himself with a confession. We could skip right past the whole trial thing and go to plea bargaining phase or whatever, you know, Drew, go ahead. I do believe that he pled too. So yeah, I mean, you're onto something there. Let's uh, I just want to play at the end. Of it. I just want to get a little bit of what the, uh, out this way. the transgender was saying. Note to self, wear shoes next time. Don't think if you're not, uh, if you're a federal prosecutor, that's not making it to the jury. Okay, so what we have is the other patrol car. We have uh, what I'm describing as a transgender person in the back seat. Uh, it's a male, as been as has been identified in, pre in, in news articles, but dresses or identifies as a female. Um, and and again, we're, we're running into a polite situation. <laughs> She's not being mean or angry or ugly, and there's no reason to be mean or angry or ugly to them. The, the officers, I think, are doing a great job. Contrary to what you might think, this is not Kurt Cobain. There was a reason I used uh, Polly in the reel today. I'm going to quiz John on that in a minute. Uh, I think we could probably cut it out here. I, I mean, this is just to kind of show, look, I, I mean, she does say a few times, look, I, I'm just confused, or not that I'm confused. Like, she's not denying what happened. She's like, I'm just scared. I've never been through anything like this before. This is not the victim. This is the companion. What's that? Is it okay to talk? talk? Is it okay to have small talk? Like she's what are you gonna talk about? just nervous. Just anything. I'm just kind of scared. Yeah, we're almost there. Okay, it's right up, right up here. And and let me encourage you to this: if somebody says, "Is it okay to talk?" Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely, yes, Drew. Do. You need to break down Miranda because people don't get Miranda. <laughs> um. <clears throat> It's a whole episode in itself. Miranda is only uh, when somebody is in custody and you're actually asking them, 
guilt-seeking questions. So it's not, it doesn't necessarily, it would apply here if you, if you were asking her questions, but if you're not, and, and she's just talking, um, well, go ahead and let her talk. I mean, she's, you're not, it's not like you'd be like, Hey, look, shut up. Uh, I don't want to be part of this report or, Hey, don't say anything about, um, the fact that you just kidnapped someone like you don't want to say anything like that but if if somebody's willing to talk let them talk just let them keep talking they're 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 going to end up um like tripping over their own words or they're locking themselves into a story and you have the benefit of them being on video right here so we're watching it it was from 2017 and we're in 2023 we're watching it six years later uh, this is invaluable so to those cops out here, out there that are young in the, in this job, uh, shed yourself of the us against them. It it really is us against them. But if you want a perfect conviction or you want a great case, uh, rid yourself of the adversarial relationship that you you think that you need to be in. You don't. You you can you can be in a human to human relationship and have a little empathy and understand that this person has probably committed a crime for a reason. But if they're willing to tell you why, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you let them do it? And, and, you know, that's what this guy is doing. He's, he's basically just skirting the issue. He's just kind of like appeasing the small talk and he's probably more nervous that she's going to confess or something to him. And and I get all that, but, um, you know, uh, people want to get this stuff off their chest and they may choose, choose you to do it because you look like their dad or, you know, you, you look like the comforting brother or, you know, John's beard is very comforting. So they might want to tell him. They, they may want to just start talking to fill the silence. Sometimes people are uncomfortable with quiet. And uh, if you just, uh, you know, you're pleasant with them, but uh, you just kind of let silence be there and you don't have the radio plan or whatever, they, they might they might want to say something, even if it's not directly in, incriminating, you know, something can come up later and it ties into it. And like I said, if you can't find empathy for these guys, like be smarter than them, you know, yeah. like realize it's important that you act a certain way in this moment. And it doesn't correspond with your beliefs, like being nice to kidnappers, but that's not what you're doing. You're policing them. So don't get caught up in their their bullshit stuff and show them how mad you are that, you know, they're the reason why society is terrible. You know, don't, don't dump that all on them like I would if I was a cop. Be smarter than that. <laughs> um, well... I think that kind of covers it. I, I you know, th- I did read that the uh, the defendant received a life in prison. I, I, I cannot remember for the life of me, and I'm looking for the link right now, but uh, I don't know what the accomplice got. But uh, just a couple things uh, to to discuss about this. Obviously, it, it was that neighbor's crucial 911 call. It was the dispatcher or the emergency call taker's uh, will to get things right and to ask you know, when you have three questions to ask five, uh, and, and this saved a life. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no question. Um, he, he possibly more in the future too. this, somebody does, this doesn't do it one time. Like, well, now I've got a, a, this companion and an anchor wife and now I'm good to go. No more terrible crimes. Yep. Well, <laughs> I could settle down now. I finally have my anchor wife. Um, and the anchor wife is trending on Twitter, by the way. So uh, just, just you know, understand that the, that the comm center was the nerve in, in all of this. And and so it affected the response. It got the response rolling. The, the patrol officers get out there. They start uh, putting pieces together of what the, the, the caller said. You can look at the caller's um, TV interview. Uh, like he, he wanted to remain anonymous on 911, but he had no problem doing an interview with TV with his face on it. 
Um, and God bless him for calling. I mean, he didn't have to get involved, but he did. And uh, he more than likely saved somebody's life. So uh, think about all of that. Uh, the, public's, uh, the public records aspect of this I wanted to talk about. Now, we pulled, like I said, we, we used the YouTube video from that. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the site now, but uh, their YouTube channel is full. of It's like police activity or something to that effect. And they're full of great stuff, great video. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, but you for, should not go over there because we will use that on this show. <laughs> it's, it's a good resource. And I don't want to just like shamelessly steal all their stuff either. But uh, I, I had learned of this case. Then I saw that they had the video. So it didn't work the other way. I'm not I'm not sharking their their video, but um, so just, uh, you know, I, I decided to pull the actual 911 call. So I did a public records request. I told you I was in charge of the communication center. and I was in charge of records uh, where I worked. Um, they do things a little bit differently at the uh, Clark County uh, Sheriff's Office. I think that's who I was dealing with or Las Vegas Metro. And here's what I mean by that now. When you do a public records request, you, you normally just fill out a request online. You can be anonymous here in the state of Florida. I don't know if you can do that uh, in other states, but you can be anonymous in the state of Florida. And you, you, can, you can request, uh, as long as the investigation isn't closed, I'm sorry, as long as the investigation is closed, or it's not being uh, kept sealed by court order, or uh, for some reason is used in intelligence gathering, or... Um, you can pretty much get the the police report, the 911 call, uh, the body cam video of the DUI video of any case, as long as they still have it. And a communication center normally uh, will only uh, maintain a 911 call for the period of one year because that's what they're record. That's probably the capability of their recording equipment, the limitation of their recording equipment. And there's nothing in the statute that says they have to to maintain it for any longer. A lot of times what they'll do, though, is they'll preserve certain 911 calls like this one or something major. Or if the court or an attorney requests, hey, make sure you preserve that stuff. It, you know, they can pull it two, three years down the road. because well, Yeah, it, this guy will be in appeals forever. If, you know, if they want to appeal it, that could go on a really long time. Right. So um, what they what they've done, uh, what, what they did was I, I did the public records request online and they immediately closed out my request and they said no dummy if you want a 911 call you got to go through our communications people which is kind of the same thing we did where i worked but not exactly so i did and i did the public records request through i called i just called the person it, it was like uh, you know ask call, call the communication center ask for the research you know person so i spoke to somebody there i think her name was uh, amy or stacy or amy uh, very, very, very nice. I explained who I was and, you know, she's like, oh yeah, just fill out this form. Uh, let me make sure that we still have it though. And she's like, yeah, we still have it. So fill out the form, just let me know. And, and we're going to charge, you know, we'll, we'll let you know how much it costs. And because there is a cost associated with pulling public records, people don't realize that you, you think that you can pull 60 hours of body cam video, but you're going to get a bill for probably about three or $4,000 for that of, you know, half of which you're going to have to pay up front. Uh, because it's 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 manpower intensive to pull stuff like this. So, the way we used to do it where I work is that, and this is bonus content. The 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 way she she does listen to Comp Center now, I think I don't know for sure. She said she was going to follow the social, so we'll see. The 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 way we would do it was the first news uh, uh, station or the first news uh, paper that requested the nine one one call or whatever 
they would be on the hook for paying for it. Everybody else from that point, we've already done the research, we've already done the work, and you see a law enforcement agency in the state of Florida cannot turn a profit. It's a, it's a violation of a statute. So we can recover costs for the reproduction of the 911 call, for wages of the person that's going to pull it, or we can, you know, the, the cost of the maintenance of the copier and, you know, the percentage of that and how much the pieces of paper cost if you're pulling a paper report. You can charge for stuff like that. You can't turn a profit on that, so we can't upcharge, but you can charge for that. So what they did in Nevada here is they, uh, I, I don't know, if, I don't think that I'm the first person to, to request this 911 call, and maybe. Uh, I'm probably the first person in a long time, but I, I got charged, you know, some money for this, which I'm more than happy to pay, and I'm I'm more than uh, great. I, I understand the process, but it was a it was a great learning experience and a great talking point. And uh, John and I are going to start pulling more public record just to kind of draw the communications people into our world, uh, because we want more people to call us at eight four eight two six six sixty nine eleven. That's eight four eight com nine one one. That's 6911 nice do we have david or abby on the line and i, I don't know it's, we were almost two hours in so normally people faint or go to bed by now is anybody still there like i am uh, i had a uh out of nowhere and i think you may have even heard it that the show just arbitrarily quit we all know that getting a good night's sleep is the most important thing particularly after a harrowing incident like that that's why we love ghost bed they've been a loyal sponsor of fair to stop since day one and since before that all our hosts and fans rave about the show, past and present, because their mattresses are super comfortable. They last forever because they're made in the good old USA. I don't think they're made in Las Vegas. I don't know. USA. Okay, every mattress has a 20-year warranty, but you could try it out for 101 nights. And if you don't like it, you can send it back without any hard feelings, but you're not going to do that. My favorite thing about Ghostbed has the cooling technology. So when you get hot at night, as it gets in Las Vegas, it, it honestly, with the first time I went there, it felt like stepping out of the airport and into a clothes dryer. Uh, the, the ghost bed's going to keep you cool even there in Las Vegas. Right now, ghost bed's got a sale. If you use Wolfpack, if you use <laughs> ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack, you can get 40% down. Okay, that's with a mattress with 0% down, 0% financing. Even if you have uh, uh, Drew Breezy credit, <laughs> go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack for a good night's sleep. Tell me we got a car on the line, DJ Drew Breezy. We don't. We have a screener. Uh, we do not have a caller, which is fine. Oh, put uh, Josh on. I miss the guy. <laughs> See what he says. Pull right, him here. up into the, into the host room. We're going to do that just to... Guys, this Josh. is our call screener. This is Josh Deadleg Media. He uh, is on last call. He screens our calls, and we're going to get to meet him next week. Listen, Josh, tell me uh, you're there. This is the MVP. Josh. I'm here. Yeah. We got we got we got David David back. Oh, David's back. I, I Josh, you stick around. Too. Oh, I don't know. That might screw yeah, things up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, David. I'll I'll kick I'll kick down. Okay, thanks. Josh, Josh you get the hell way, out of here. I want to talk to David. Josh, by the way, is the MVP. He's working on our website very diligently and. Uh, Stay tuned. I mean, within the next 48 hours, is my guess, you'll be seeing a link come out. Uh, we want you to test this thing to the nines. And uh, if you're uh, if you're a member, you'll see it in the Discord. So that's where that will come out for you. And, and also check us out on social media, Instagram at Dupreezy, Instagram, failure to stop, at Andrea Uplate, Eric Tanzi official. David is, uh, David lasted uh, approximately three seconds. So we're, we're going to see if he calls back. In the meantime, 
I think we got just about everything out of the way. Here we go. We're going to talk to David, our another VIP. And David, you're on the air. How are you? Oh, hey there. Hey, Drew. Hey, hey, David. Turn down what's ever in the background. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. All right. How's it going? How's the weather? Uh, you know, 74 and sunny. All right. That's great. Uh, what what did you think of tonight's show? It was good. It was very educational. Uh, we saw a lot of aspects. So we, you know, you both answered a lot of questions out of uh, out of the group out of the chat. So it was very informative all the way around. David, what do you think is up with that guy? What's your gut feeling? Is it drugs, psychosis? He's just a creep. Like, what was your impression of of the suspect on this case? I would say it's probably a little bit of everything. He, what a, a safe answer. Weirdo. <laughs> that is probably the yeah. most, that is the most safe answer uh, it, it, that a close quarter battle instructor could give. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, until you start actually getting into the weeds with him and actually talking to him and watching how his pupil, pupils and eyes move and everything else like that. I mean, you just got to take it as, Hey, this guy's a threat until, you know, you can determine otherwise, obviously his attitude changed as soon as the cops got him because, you know, something clicked in his head where he's like, you know what? Let me just start passing the time. I can't do anything. Right. Right. Well, David, I cannot thank you enough for hanging in there. You're uh, again, as John said, uh, one of the main supporters of uh, all of the shows on the failure stop family, which we know uh, there is a comedy show uh, called uncuffed, uh, which appears on Monday nights. It, it hasn't made it to the main stream, so to speak yet. And then, uh, Tuesday nights, there is uh, Andrea Up Late, who does a wonderful true crime show that's called Night Shift. Uh, Wednesdays is uh, Last Call of the Day, but that airs as a podcast on Thursdays. But Thursday nights, which is what you're dealing with now, is the Com Center with Drew and JB, and we discuss all of your 911 and law enforcement breakdown needs. And then tomorrow, the Friday flagship show, we are, uh, I, I'm going to, I will, uh, determine or or i'll say i'll give the foreshadowing it will be a very surprising episode tomorrow it'll be surprising to you it'll and be surprising to, you. to me and we are going to knock it out of the park uh we are probably going to have to uh inject um we, we are we are cryogenically freezing uh eric tansy at the moment he is uh, definitely under the weather we don't know how far under the weather we don't know if he's under his porch uh, we don't know if he's under a skate ramp somewhere, but I did talk to him earlier. He is definitely on his deathbed. Um, yeah, so guys, let's uh, uh, let's just pray that that deathbed is a ghost bed, so he's comfortable yeah. as he enters immortality, and uh, he recovers. So we can uh, have a great show tomorrow. But either way, David, we appreciate you listening, and we appreciate you being part of our family. Uh, the Wolfpack loves you, and uh, I, I bid you fun. Good night. Anchors we have uh, we have well, more. We appreciate you all. Thank you, buddy. We have more content coming out on on Patreon soon. That's something else that Josh is working on. And what's it going to be? Uh, I know that Andrea and I have discussed possibly doing another true crime show that's somehow different than Night Shift. 
uh, kind of cooking up something else I don't want to say too much about just because I don't know how it's going to go. I haven't been able to talk to Eric about it because Eric is uh, very close to death at this hour. Drew, are you coming up with anything good for a Patreon or are you just going to completely sidestep that or like what are your no, plans? No, I'm just going to completely sidestep and I hate the idea. So no, oh. uh, not true at all. What I'm going to do is, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm working on an interview that's going to, we're going to do Monday night. Uh, you guys won't see it Monday night. I'll probably edit it for Patreon or maybe it'll just be tested in YouTube, but later downloaded into to um, Patreon. But uh, like I, I want kind of my own little corner, my Drew's News maybe or, or Drew Crime. We'll see what we can call it. But I want to focus on mental health, leadership and, and other things. Uh, I got uh, I actually have two interviews lined up. So uh if you want to be part of that also get in line uh it won't be uh it won't be the big public you know f show but it'll be uh, great bonus content for those who decide to subscribe to patreon and like i said we don't want to nickel and dime people to death but we also want to provide some quality content for uh for the people that are web based only we're gonna go just uh real quickly to talk to micah because he uh interjected some comedy tonight Micah, what's uh, what's happening? Micah is traveling through a wormhole near the speed of light. <laughs> Micah, at this moment, is is dodging, I believe, I'm, asteroids. Are you there, Micah? I'm. Uh, yes, I'm keeping the sci-fi theme going, guys. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Josh, Deadleg Media. I know you guys are sick of hearing from me. The guy is doing the Lord's work. And uh, as uh, Falconator said, thoughts and prayers for Chansey. Yeah, that man. Thank you, thank you for pointing that out because Josh is an absolute MVP. Um, uh, it, it's been a beehive of activity. Uh, I, I, I what I do wish, if you, if you're not following Dead Leg Media on um, Instagram, you're missing out. I do wish he had piloted our plane through the blizzard because we probably would have made it to Las Vegas instead of being stuck in Minneapolis. Uh, but he, his, uh, his quadrant of the world is a very, uh, is a beehive of activity between Patreon, the website that's about to roll out that integrates with the kind of slimmed down new and improved uh, YouTube channel. Uh, just some great things uh, in the very near future. I'm very excited about what we're doing. And John, thank you for calling Micah. John is going to tell us about Clayton north carolina before we hang up i was worried that you're going to put me on the spot again about that nirvana song because you named the only one that's not in my all nirvana playlist and it drives me nuts because i intentionally put so much thought into the music that goes on to our social media stuff you know and sometimes we really knock it out of the park for that night shift reel where uh that guy was uh, calling that lady on the phone and then her parents after she was kidnapped and i found in the top 40 was uh that that song call me i'm just like that's just obvious like it was just obvious that i had to use that song so i'm very ashamed that like there's one song by nirvana that i guess i don't like and so i don't okay. know why it applies I'm i don't get ten dollars everyone drew go ahead i'm dying to tell the story tell it uh polly is a song written by kurt cobain about a young lady in Seattle or in the Pacific Northwest there that was abducted and killed at a very young age. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, abducted and raped. I don't think she was killed. So when you listen, you know, because the lyrics are very haunting and the, the melody's haunting and, and Kurt Cobain was haunting for God's sakes. Uh, got a funny story about that as well. But uh, 
that's what Polly is. But you know, Polly Polly says her back hurts. Polly wants a cracker. You know, you know that song. If you, I wish I could recite the lyrics to you, but I can't. I can sing along to them. Folks, um, if you're following us on, on iTunes or Spotify, go ahead and like and subscribe and then go over to uh, This Is Nirvana, their playlist there. That song is probably there. And then you can find out what the hell Drew is talking about. Yes. Uh, so thinks, I think she wants she wants me to get off her first. You know, Polly says her back hurts. It's just it's a it's a it's a good very haunting song, but there's a very chilling message behind it. It it was written about a teen abduction where a guy abducted a teen that was that left one of their concerts or a concert of the the, the musicians that were associated with. Them. I think I uh, I think I know that case actually. I think okay. I've heard that one before. Yeah, yeah. Know the case, well, not you, the song. Somehow, you could have won uh, money, but you I didn't. could have won ten so, bucks, folks. Yeah, so I probably am, as Andrea pointed out, I probably am going to sing that uh, in an unplugged version on on Patreon. So you don't want to be there. I'm, uh, in fact, going to be wearing my Kurt Cobain wig, uh, which I uh, often uh, Kurt read it in the paper, according to Abby, and she's um, she is the mayor of Seattle, so she knows. Okay, so listen, I, I think we need to wrap up now. Clayton, we've do. I'm sorry. Clayton, are we going to talk about what what's next week? What's what, what oh, show I'm sorry. are we go doing? Go for it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Go. Well, I don't in know. My, We're in, going. I'm, am I going to see you on Wednesday? Like, when do you fly into town? Like, where can I find you? Will I recognize you in real life? Yeah, I, I don't want. Uh, I don't. No, you won't. First of all, uh, I'll be wearing my Kurt Cobain wig, and and on and second thought, um, I don't want to end up like Polly. So we'll we'll discuss. I'll, I'll very cryptically tell you where I was right after I leave. You know what I mean? Well, it's, uh, it's no, I'm sure we'll meet. Eric Go was ahead. sending out the threat matrix emails from the intelligence center on uh, what's going on with the, the various situations with our meetup. And now that he's frozen and awaiting a cure to be developed for bonitis, we have no idea what to expect <laughs> from him. Um, but uh, it's going to be a great time. It's in Clayton, North Carolina. It's Wednesday, April 12th. I think it's around five-ish. So if you guys show up, we're going to have a shindig for failure to stop. That's kind of why we're hanging on is to talk about it. This is our final episode before that shindig. And uh, I guess possibly some autographs are going to be signed because I guess we're big enough deals to do that. And I guess we're going to dance and there's going to be some Q&A and like Drew and I will fight. But that's like really ancillary to everything that's going on. I'll meet that's Andrea for the first time. I'll meet Eric for the first time. I know we're going to have maybe some swag that helps to promote his book that's coming out. Pig Latin is seriously funny, true story. I don't know what else is going to happen, but we have a show next week and we'll be in Clayton at that time. So I don't know if we're both going to be in the studio together, if uh, we'll permit Josh Deadleg Media to be with us, if there's people in the studio, we have to figure it out. But if you guys have anything that you want to see next week, uh, whether it's on uh, Last Call or, or uh, you know, Com Center, let us know because we, we want to include the Wolfpack and maybe it'll be kind of an unusual show. We don't know what's going to happen. We look forward to seeing all you guys out there. There are exceptions to that. Uh, Drew, go ahead and uh, take us out unless you have anything else. No, I, I am going to be working on my Irish step dancing as you've requested. And and I don't know that uh, if that was just you tricking me, but I've been working very hard. I've I want to shoot uh, a machine gun at your feet. That's what I want. <laughs> I have pulled a hammy and uh, I, I don't fear the bullets at my feet. That My, my feet are uh, bulletproof. Uh, they're titanium. So here we go. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up and make sure uh, you like, stick around afterwards. 
just like I, just like I would tell any four-year-old, John, don't go anywhere. Thanks for being here. Wolfpack. Guns we up, giddy up. Good night, everybody. We love you. Conditionally.